Hello there, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman, and you're listening to Exploring Different Brains. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we're lucky to have with us Carlin Emil. And uh, Carlin is, I want to read this to make sure I have it right, she is the Site Director for the South Florida Healthy Community of Special Olympics Florida. Welcome, Carl, and thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Good. Well, it's been a long time since we met out at the uh, AADMD meetings at the Special Olympics when Tim Shriver, the chairman of the Special Olympics, was given that great uh, uh, keynote he gave, and I was very fortunate an honor to be giving a keynote that day. Well, that was a great day, and uh, meeting you and your colleagues out there and seeing all the great work you're doing. So why don't you introduce yourself to our Different Brains audience here? Okay, uh, as you mentioned, my name is Carlin Emil. I am the site director for Special Olympics Florida Healthy Community. Uh, I've lived in South Florida for the past 26 years. I graduated from Florida International University in 2011 with a master's in public health, uh, specializing in health promotion and disease prevention. I'm currently in a doctorate of health science program at Nova Southeastern University. I hope to graduate in the fall. And um, as I said, I'm the director for the South Florida Healthy Community. I'm very happy to be working with the uh, population of intellectually and developmentally disabled individuals and I always try to do the best that I can and take part in interventions and activities that will help to enhance their lives. That's How did you get into this line of work, this great work that you do? Okay, uh, after I graduated from Florida International University in public health, I wanted to go abroad and teach individuals in developing countries about health promotion and disease prevention. That's all I wanted to do. But after, you know, in considering it, I stumbled upon the fact that there are individuals right here in the U.S. who, are, who do not know how to promote their own health or avoid many avoidable diseases, uh, the IDD population. So, uh, in 2013 when Special Olympics gave me the opportunity I jumped on it. I can remember back when I was in school uh, the idea of public health tailored to IDD population was not even part of the lexicon. We never discussed anything like that. They were not part of the uh, minority populations or anything even with all of the health inequalities that exist. So I'm glad to see that things are slowly progressing and I'm seeing more and more interventions being done, more research is being conducted. There's like more, people are taking more stakes, more stake in this population. And um, I, there's even a textbook that was written uh, titled Health Promotion for Individuals with Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities by Dr. Taggart. He was at the AADMD conference too. So as I've seen, that's the one and only textbook that's been written on this population, well, to promote health and well-being of this population. So I'm glad to see that the field is headed in the right direction as far as 
the IDD population is concerned. That's one of the reasons we started differentbrains.com is to get all of these different kinds of brains, all the different neurodiversities, kind of in one friendly tent, if you will. Now, where did you grow up? I grew up in Haiti. I spent my first 11 years in the islands, and then my parents migrated to New York, and four years later, we ended up in South Florida. Everybody comes to South Florida. <laughs> and, and I think it's great that you've chosen to help so many others who have these problems. I've been trying to find more in the literature um, about neurodiversity within the minority communities. And I, I know there's a lot of cultural differences where it's not cool to say, you know, I have this problem or my brain is different. And it's something in our entire society that we need to change where hopefully we'll get the president of the United States to wear a t-shirt that says, my brain is different. Um, have you been back to Haiti uh, much? Yes, uh, and since 2009, I, uh, I took parts in several medical mission trips twice a year to Haiti. Uh, we would provide primary health care to bunch of individuals in rural areas of Haiti. Uh, I would teach them about health promotion. It, it was like a dream come true, but when I joined Special Olympics, it kind of shifted my focus, but you know, the desire is still there. I want to reach that population and back in my hometown whenever I get the chance. Well, I have to tell you, I had an eye-opening experience out in Los Angeles um, with the uh, AADMD, the, uh, you know, uh, with the Steve Perlman and the people who founded those doctors and dentists for the developmentally disabled, and with Tim Shriver, and we went and toured the medical tents that were set up over there at USC. And I was with these athletes from all over the world whose brains are a little bit different, and there were a bunch of different types of different brains. It's, uh, you know, I think in the American lexicon, we think of it as just Down syndrome, but there were a tremendous amount of variations in autism and all different types. But I was with these young athletes. It's amazing how they got set up um, to get their hearing tested for the first time in their lives from 100 different countries uh, to get their eyesight tested, but not only tested, right there on the spot, the good people of the Special Olympics and the AADMD made sure that they got fitted right there with eyeglasses and hearing aids. I was comparing my hearing aids to, uh, to some of the, uh, the youngsters there. And I said to Tim Shriver, you know, I didn't realize the Special Olympics is just a front to deliver good health care to 100 different countries, and that's what it is. You know, and I just spoke out in uh, Chicago to the uh, Special Care Dentistry Association and the IADH, the International Association, um, to, to take care of all the developmentally disabled. And I met people from all over the world. I met um, one, one woman, uh, Rina Kumar, who single-handedly put together 342 medical and dental schools to provide the care for all the Special Olympic athletes all, all across India. It's like amazing. And I yeah, she's, uh, she's quite an individual, and people like you who choose to uh, dedicate themselves to uh, uh, helping others, 
Um, and I, I tell all our, our, our young people here, any of them who listen, that if you can figure out how to first figure out what you're passionate about and then learn how to make a living at it and help others at the same time, that's the trifecta. Right. So, Carlin, what are the parts of the mission statement, I don't mean verbatim, but what are the parts of the mission statement of the Special Olympics that really resonate with you? Well, the mission statement for Special Olympics is to offer uh, sports training and competition in a variety of Olympic type sports to individuals with IDD. Uh, they help them to develop physical fitness, uh, demonstrate courage, build friendships with their families and the community, and they added the Special Olympics health component. That's what you saw where we screen um, individuals now in eight different uh, discipline, health disciplines. That's exactly what we do in South Florida. That's the uh, program that I oversee. We have eight health disciplines that range from mental health, hearing, vision, dentistry, podiatry, health promotion, sports physicals, and um, physical therapy. So um, what resonates the most with me is the health aspect because I felt like you know prevention is way better than cure. Uh, what they say, an ounce of prevention is worth a, a pound, pound of cure. <laughs> so teaching this special population about how to prevent illnesses and promote health means everything to me. So that's really what resonates with me. That's uh, fantastic. You know, another thing that happened when we were out there at the Special Olympics uh, in Los Angeles was uh, Tim Shriver said that he said, you know, today is one of the most important days ever in the Special Olympics because they were being covered not by 60 Minutes, not by 2020, but by ESPN as interesting sports with competition, with people showing courage and everything else. And it was a general public interest. And that's what we have to do is just mainstream this so that everybody who's got an intellectual disability or a mental disability, and they're all coalescing now. Uh, as we're airing this today, uh, as we're filming this today, rather, um, uh, Sandy Weil has just uh, made a tremendous donation of many millions of dollars out in California to get the mental illness under the same roof with the neurology and the intellectual disabilities. And that's what we're trying to do at differentbrains.com too because the wiring in the brains is different. We all have neuroplasticity. And so we want to get the resources out there and we want to get the positive rewiring of the brains out there and uh, get everyone to uh, help each other out. Just like that spirit I saw with so many different organizations out at the Special Olympics. Who are some of your partners here in South Florida? South Florida, we have many key agencies that serves the IDD population, such as Agency for Persons with Disabilities, United Cerebral Palsy, Ronald McDonald Training Center, uh, the adult parks and recreations have a department that takes care of 
um, individuals with IDD, and the list goes on. And list on. goes on and on. That's that's great to hear. Um, this is an odd question, maybe because, but I'm I'm just wondering, what percentage of the people in the Special Olympics that you serve, the clients you serve, do you think are neurodiverse when you do all these health promotions and everything? Uh, over the years, I would estimate that about 45 to 50 percent of them are on the autism spectrum disorder. Um, some of them are mildly impaired, well, while others are more profoundly impaired. So we do see some um, behavioral issues sometimes. Uh, some of them have lower learning abilities, but some of them are geniuses so it, you know it ranges and it's a pleasure to work with all of them they each bring something different to our classes to the setting to what we do and the uh, the down syndrome obviously makes up a big yeah big down syndrome uh, what else uh, the fragile X syndrome we see a lot of those but a lot of individuals on the spectrum. Increasing, yeah. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you and the uh, Special Olympics of South Florida uh, face? Uh, I would say, I I'll keep it within the realms of what we do, which is teach individuals about uh, healthy behaviors, physical activity, social wellness, coping, stress coping methods, so I'll keep it within those realms. Uh, the challenges come when we have to teach those with lower cognitive abilities. Uh, we have to use more pictures, more props, more sensory items so they can grasp it because I don't think anyone is incapable of learning, and they do. They go home, even if they're nonverbal, they tell their parents, I don't want this over that. I want to eat this, that. So that's a challenge. And of course, when anyone becomes disruptive or, you know, violent, we don't see a lot of it, but we do see disruption. That's a little challenging. But I always tell the instructors, I instruct them to stop all teaching um, uh, activities when someone becomes uh, disruptive because something's going on beneath all of that. So they're supposed to talk about the problem that's upsetting them and sometimes they just want somebody to listen to them. Uh, we hear so many stories about uh, my caregiver found another job and left a group home so that's why I'm acting out. Well they don't say it like that but then we kind of conclude that's why they're acting out. Um, my roommate is bullying me. Um, we see so many issues like unrequited love. I like this person, they don't like me. And that's another huge challenge for me. And I don't know if it is for Special Olympics yet, but a lot of them reported that they want to be in relationships, intimate relationships. And it's very hard to kind of scratch the surface with the parents to say, you got to make provisions for Johnny to, you know, maybe go on dates, have friends, make provisions for them so they could have a normal life. So that's something that we're aspiring to get to, 
but a lot of them are miserable because they want boyfriends, they want girlfriends, and they get them anyway. <laughs> they just don't tell people about it. So I'd like to get to the point where I could teach them how to do it the right way. And we do have a social wellness that teaches them, you know, to keep your hands to yourself, uh, be kind if you want to keep friends, uh, you know, how to avoid predators online if they have Facebook and other social media pages. So that's a big challenge. They sure. want to be married. They want boyfriends and girlfriends. And they want friends in general, too. And socialization yeah. is a problem. It's, yeah. a, it's a problem. Very interesting. You know, the, the internet remains that double-edged sword, you know, with so much potential and so much danger at uh, both ends of the spectrum there. It's, it's, uh, it's hard. Could you tell us um, some specific success stories you've had or some stories where you felt that you really made a difference? I always share this story about Rebecca. Um, back in 2014, she enrolled now in Now, this is not my daughter, Rebecca. This is a different <laughs> Rebecca. Yeah. And how old was Rebecca at the time? She's in her late 40s, uh -huh. but she looks great. You couldn't even tell that she's 40-something. Uh, Rebecca joined the nutrition and wellness program, the our health and wellness program, back in 2014. And um, she weighed 185, and she's about 4'9". But um, what was, obviously she's uh, morbidly obese, but the concern was that when I looked at her chart, she has a heart issue, a heart problem. So um, then when we, you know, have lunch together, then I would see what the lunches consisted of. Meatball sandwiches, nice dessert. So then I knew she couldn't continue to eat that way at, you know, her height and weight and um, with the heart problems. So we introduced her to fruits and water. She said, I don't like fruits. I don't want to eat fruits. Then we ate it so she could see that it's cool to eat fruits. She started tasting the fruit. And still, you know, she would come to school with her lunch bag with less than healthy options. So uh, we sent something. I work with a lot of interns from the various universities and colleges that we we're affiliated with. So I told the interns to put together a nice package to send home to mom and dad so they can learn about, you know, what high BMI means, what high cholesterol and stuff, what heart disease and, you know, what can happen. Not to scare her, but to kind of teach them. Then um, we got to go to the YMCA to exercise with them on a weekly basis. I remember she didn't even want to walk. But after a while, she would be going round and round and round and round at the YMC and her parents, after they got our notes, wanted more like healthy recipes and stuff like that. And then they followed what we told them and Rebecca lost 22 pounds. So, you know, that's a story I like to share. It's not about the weight loss, but it's about the behavior change and how it took, you know, the whole uh, discipline of people, like a group of people to get together to rally around her and make sure that, you know, she lost the weight. And other success stories are how people come into our uh, programs and they learn about, you know, not only healthy behaviors and how to hydrate themselves on a daily basis, but we do teach them about, you know, social um, issues, how to 
cope with stress, how to talk about things calmly. So, and we do have um, pre and post anthropometric tests that we do after uh, physical programs and um, learning acquisition tests that we do after social uh, and health education programs. And then the results are always favorable. So we have a lot of success stories. A lot of them say, you know, they're happy for what we do. Uh, they love the interns who come around and work with them because it's the interns from the different fields that teach them, engage with them. So they feel accepted, uh, like they have friends. You know, they feel loved, and they, they like that a whole lot. So I would say those are some of the success stories. Well, that's great. You know, the, the story of a young woman um, not so much losing the 22 pounds, but getting into a healthy lifestyle and eating a good diet, which you've heard in, at different brains and exploring different brains, uh, Dr. Derek McFabe and some of the others uh, talk about the way the neuroplasticity, the brain rewires itself according to the flora and the microbiome that's in your gut. Diet is such an important thing so it's not just the losing weight, it's proper diet, nutrition, activity, exercise, and lifestyle. And the story that Carlin tells about this uh, woman uh, you know, in her 40s who is changing her behavior, changing her lifestyle, changing her diet, all in a positive way. And this comes under the tent of healthy community and health promotions and education. Uh, another very inspiring thing that uh, uh, Carlin, uh, uh, you know, what you just said that's very inspiring is that even among the nonverbal, they learn and they'll go home and say, I don't want to eat that, I want to eat that. You know, it's great stuff. Um, what are some of the uh, um, charitable services in general that the Special Olympics offers? Well, all of our sports programs and all of the health programs are free of charge to everyone that we serve. So as I mentioned before, we have consumers from um, Agency for Persons with Disability, United Cerebral Palsy, uh, some ARC. Uh, we work closely with them a lot of individuals with um, a lot of key agencies that serves this population we're affiliated with and all of our services are free of charge to them. That's great. And um, you're, you're going to continue to do this because you love doing it, Carlin, don't you? I really do. I really That's do. That's great. Yeah. Um, what's one thing you might tell our Different Brains audience? that they may not be aware about healthy communities and the Special Olympics? In the beginning when I started, a lot of my you know, colleagues said, wow, you know, I commend you for wanting to do this, but it's gonna be virtually impossible to teach uh, the IDD population about health promotion and disease prevention. So uh, I'm glad to say that statement was proven to be a myth and I have the pre and post data to show that, you know, they did learn this, they did lose that, they did change their habits. So um, 
individuals with IDD or different brains can learn anything as long as you take the time to teach it to them. Uh, I had a group of nursing students come and teach um, adults at the center where I am about how to do CPR. You wouldn't believe after an hour, um, many of them were able to repeat the steps verbatim and actually go through the whole process of doing CPR. And you know, I'm confident to know that even if they don't do it perfect, even I don't know how to do CPR perfect, because I don't do it every day. I mean, I know the steps, but when you get to the actual process, it's different. But if, you know, let's say Nicole could see someone in, in, in you know, uh, an urgent situation and she would drop and do CPR, she can um, potentially save someone's life. So that really um, stood out to me. And I just feel like if you take the time to teach individuals to do anything, they can do it. They can accomplish anything, learn anything. Very inspirational. Now for our different brains audience out there, some of the people who might want to be like you, be like Carl and Emil, and go into this area to serve others and have a great time doing it. Um, what kind of educational path do you recommend that they take? You've had an exceptional uh, you know, educational path. Um, what, if it's like, let's say a high school young woman or young man is listening or viewing this or reading it on the transcripts or listening to it on the podcast or looking at the captions as they watch the video because we're all accessible here at Different Brains. What advice would you have for them? Uh, I don't think there's a specific field that you got to go into in order to serve this population. You can serve them in anything that you do. Uh, as I mentioned, I work with interns in various health fields, even media. So there's a young lady, she just got her uh, degree in the School of Journalism and Mass Media at FIU. She started, you know, volunteering. Then I had her do um, campaigns for me, Facebook campaigns and videos. And um, then I gave her a part-time job to teach because she does it well. Then she tells me that I want to use my degree to promote, create awareness in this population, media. So it doesn't, you know, social workers, uh, doctors, health promotion, as I said, back in my days, we didn't learn this about school. We briefly touch what special needs are, uh, is, but not, you know, t interventions tailored to this population. So uh, I know what, I've read a lot of articles, one written by Matt Holder from Special Olympics, about how the schools are not exposing students to this population, so when they get into the field of practice, they're ill-prepared to deal with Well, them. it's absolutely, and the same thing with, I'm an MD, and medical doctors, we used to get zero training, and I'm honored to say that via Skype we, uh, we gave a lecture to the third year medical school class at my alma mater, Boston University. And uh, I gave the first ever neurodiversity lectures at the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons this year at their annual meetings. But it's not just medicine and it's not just teachers and it's not just police and judges and 
any profession you can think of. It has to be a general awareness in society that all of our brains are different. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's just a different thing. And we are all on a spectrum of sorts, and we all need different amounts of help and teamwork to get where we're going. I haven't met many people who are the entire package all by themselves. And certainly in our little, uh, our little uh, different brains company here, we got a bunch of different brains. And what one person really enjoys doing, another person doesn't like doing, but loves doing something else. So you can put the whole team together. Um, now, do you work closely with the individual, um, like say the Special Olympics of Broward County, or how does that work? How does that get organized? Uh, the sports delegations work uh, in another office, but we're all the same company. We're interconnected, but they handle all sports competitions, and there's so many different sports that I couldn't even begin to start <laughs> naming them. Then, you know, there's young athlete programs. There's like over 26, about over 20 different departments within Special Olympics Florida. We're very, they're very diverse, very progressive. So I do the health program here in South Florida. We have one in Tampa, and there's another one being developed in Jacksonville. So. What we do is when the sports league needs us to come to the area games or state games, just like you saw, then we pack up everything and then we go and do the health screenings nice. and in education. But in our center, we keep it going year round. Great. Yeah. Now, I was talking to uh, one of the leaders here in Broward County, Paul Salarulo, the mm -hmm. Special Olympics here. Yeah. Uh, who does so much, and his son Patrick is doing very well, who has Down syndrome and is uh, rather independent, making a living and uh, competing at different levels. Um, how do people learn more about you and about the Special Olympics, about healthy community? Uh, what are some of the websites they go to, phone numbers they call, or how do they get in touch with you? And our editors will flash these up, <laughs> but uh, if you could just share with our audience some of them. Well, the main website for Special Olympics Florida is www.sofl.org, and there you'll find all of the different departments that I mentioned, including our health programs, healthy communities, healthy athletes, and so forth. Um, my name is, well, my email is my first name and my last name, Carlin Emil at SOFL.org. And we have a very uh, ubiquitous social media presence. <laughs> We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, what's the other one, Instagram. <laughs> so we're everywhere. And we're always posting uh, things that we find that could be educational for parents, the athletes themselves, and then we like to share the pictures so we could see what so you could see what we're up to, what we're doing, and so the volunteers could see themselves in action because we couldn't do what we do without their help. So it's you know happy all around for everyone. Yeah. Very inspiring, and uh, I have to say, and I I, I want to thank uh, 
my friend Steve Perlman, the founder of the AADMD, and Rick Rader, and Matt Holder, and that whole crew out there for introducing me at that level, at the doctor-dentist level, uh, with the healthcare tents out there in LA at the uh, ceremonies and the Special Olympics competitions. And it was a, a, a big honor to, uh, to speak with Tim Shriver and to meet people like you and Nancy and the other people at our table over there. It was, yeah. it was great. Well, <clears throat> that's going to uh, bring us to the end of another episode of Exploring Different Brains. We've been talking with Carl and Emil of the Healthy Communities of the Special Olympics South Florida. And uh, keep up the great work you do, and thank you so much for being with us here. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.